A company global in nature, working across hospitals, health plans, life sciences companies, labs, venture capital, and more. Who is it? You're going to find out here shortly. I'm Alex Maersperger, host of the SAS Health Pulse podcast, and today we're joined by Brian Vaughn, Senior Vice President, Hospitals and Health Systems at LabCorp. Welcome, Brian. Hey, welcome, Alex. Good morning. Great to be with you. We're excited about this one. This uh, this may just be me, but when I think of LabCorp, it's easy to have that image of a location uh, where you get your lab work done, right? Maybe it's pre-employment drug screening or pre-employment checks, uh, but it's so much more than that, right? Can you tell me a little bit more about the LabCorp story? Sure. My, in my first experience with LabCorp was also a pre-employment drug screen, you know, at one of the patient service centers. So a lot of people obviously get to know the company uh, by going to one of our patient service centers or one of our retail sites. Uh, the company, you know, just to tell you a little bit about it, it's it's a little over 50 years old. Uh, we've had uh, a grand total of four CEOs in that in that time period, and it really has origins starting in the basement of a hospital in Burlington, North Carolina. And as the company grew up, really was one of the players that built what we know as the clinical reference lab industry today in North America. Uh, the company grew up um, in the sort of 80s and 90s commercializing PCR technology. Uh, the company got into expanding the PSC network, the logistics footprint, and becoming this national a platform. And then on top of that platform in sort of the 90s, 2000s, and even today, acquiring specialty scientific companies and capabilities. So endocrinology labs and oncology labs and tests in coagulation or infectious disease, and really bringing those tests to the patients and providers and the hospitals that we serve across the country and North America today. And then if you fast forward to who LabCorp is now, uh, not only is there that business people know in that's primarily in the U.S. and Canada uh, around getting your lab testing or your pre-employment drug screening done, uh, but we also uh, we have 60,000 colleagues around the globe. We operate in about 100 com- countries, and we have an early development business with scientists and physicians and and labs working with biotech companies on new molecule development really early in the in the uh, development phase of pharmaceuticals and then we service uh, pharma companies and biotech companies as they go through clinical trials we're actually the largest lab in the world in serving those clinical trials so the company today uh, looks a lot different than that hospital laboratory in the basement uh, 50-some years ago. Uh, but the common thread as you think about the company is always looking to science and innovation and to try and bring those new advancements in science and medicine to patients and to providers uh, so that they can access those latest things. So that, that really is the company's story in a nutshell. So you're the the very best person to answer this question. That nature of uh, storied history and global evolution, uh, you touch so many parts of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystems. So it gives you a great perspective on something I'd, I'd love to hear about. On the main stages at conferences right now, you hear a lot about the convergence of life sciences and healthcare. 
basically sort of pharma, hospitals, insurers, maybe playing a little bit nicer than they have in recent years. Is that actually true? Is it benefiting patients? Is this just like a conference panel main stage thing where it's sort of more sizzle than steak and it's just a case of the big need to get bigger and so vertical integration and things? Or is there really healthcare and life science convergence going on right now? Yeah, I think um, I go to a lot of conferences. Obviously, I work in this part of healthcare that is 3% or so of what healthcare is in laboratory diagnostics, but it, it's hugely important as it ripples across the systems for clinical decision-making. So I see a lot of the, a lot of the healthcare industry. Um, I go to a lot of conferences too, like I'm sure you do, Alex. There's certainly a lot of talk of partnerships and big ideas uh, at these conferences. Certainly some of them are what, what an old mentor of mine would call press release type of partnerships that maybe the press release is the biggest part of the partnership and there's not a whole lot done thereafter. But there are also, and, and this is one of the things that I love about the work I get to do, I work a lot with health systems and I get to work with leaders and clinicians and uh, business people and IT professionals that really are deeply invested in how could we move ourselves forward in uh, making healthcare more affordable, making healthcare more accessible, making healthcare uh, work better for consumers, making health data work better for consumers. And when you get to work with those people who are deeply invested in how could we put something together that can last for years? When when I got to work with the Ascension transaction, how do we how do we put together with the leaders around the table something that we could look back on and say it's still here? Maybe it looks a little different, but it's still here in ten years or fifteen years. And when that's the attitude, uh, there it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding, and I think that's. That's one of the things uh, that is out there. It, maybe you don't hear it's not the same sizzle that you hear at some of the conferences, but there are great people out there trying to drive that forward each and every day. I'll give you one example. You know, as we think about partnerships with health systems, one of the things we can do, right, uh, since healthcare cost is such a challenge, I, I think healthcare in the U.S. is $4 trillion, 18% of GDP. It's not affordable, it's not accessible enough, so you have healthcare inequity out there. One of the things we can do in our partnerships, we can take something that, I'll give you an example, a lipid panel, cholesterol test, that maybe used to cost the health system $35, and I'm just making that up. But maybe that was what the payer, the employer, and everybody, that's what it costs. When we are done with our partnership and, and that test comes into a LabCorp patient service center, a LabCorp lab, perhaps it costs the system $10. So that $20 or $25 of savings ripples through to the health plan, to the employer, to the patient who might have a high deductible health plan, who's paying that whole piece out of pocket, and nobody loses in that transaction. So the health system wins in the transaction and is able to lower their cost structure. The payer wins, the patient wins, LabCorp wins as well. And there's, there's, there's not enough of that in healthcare. It's hard, very, very hard to do, but we're actually lowering the cost of something that's provided today. And that's a, that's a fun place to be. 
it's it's rare to have a, a win 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 in the healthcare nature, like you said about the, the just cost control and opportunities there. So wonderful. Sometimes example. you have to have a win 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 win, uh, you know, or maybe there's four or five wins that you have to have, and that's why it's extremely hard. But there's also a lot of people, you know, dedicated to trying to find that out there. You gave the example of a, a specific panel test. You talked about your personal experience of your first interaction being a, a pre-employment drug screen or those things. LabCorp has a lot of data on a lot of individuals. I would guess between switching jobs and cholesterol checks, uh, I'm somewhere in a data set maybe 10 to 15 times throughout my life so far. When I go into my local physician office or health system, are they predicting some of the things that might be occurring in me based on the past experiences I have or based on the data that's available to them? Are you doing that? Yeah, the we do sit on a massive data set of, of laboratory testing, uh, tens of billions of lab results, uh, you know, within LabCorp. I wouldn't say we are predicting things based on that data. We sometimes don't know if we have all of your data, but it is, it's, it's extremely exciting what could be coming with that when you think about the power of big data and where artificial intelligence models are going. I think we're a little ways away from that being in regular routine clinical use. Your doctor is using the artificial intelligence algorithm to help them make a decision about what may be next for you. But we we certainly uh, we certainly are thinking about those use cases and investing in those use cases and have an artificial intelligence team and people working on that. I think to maybe make it real for for you and your listeners, when we think about data and technology today and what we can do, I'll give you a, maybe a couple of examples. One example. Um, you mentioned you mentioned you maybe had ten or fifteen lab experiences. I, I had my annual physical in July. Uh, and quick PSA: get your annual physical, uh, know your cholesterol numbers and your A one Cs and things like that. But I obviously had my testing done at LabCorp, and I got my results back. And one of the things that was on my report was my results from last year. And I got to see how my lipids had changed, not in a favorable direction. So I need to yeah, get to the gym and eat fewer french fries. Um, but that's just a very, it's a small nudge, right? It's surfacing some data to show me how I've changed since last year. And we recently had a story, an example that was brought to light of a physician that was able to look up a patient's prior result for uh, for a workup he did on a new patient. And he found that a hemoglobin uh, level had changed and gone down dramatically. And it wasn't out of the reference range, but it had changed since a prior result. And this physician being curious and knowing that something might be uh, amiss there, uh, did some more testing on the patient and ended up finding out uh, through additional testing that the patient had early stage esophageal cancer. And referred that person and got them into the right care early. And and it makes you wonder if they hadn't had that prior result, what would the physician have concluded? So we're thinking about use cases like that of how do we surface information we do have today um, so that clinicians that are making decisions for patients can find those ways in which, uh, in which they can really help their patients and impact patient care. Obviously, as you think about where that could go with artificial intelligence, there's way more sophisticated places that could go. But I think today those are also some of the simple use cases and the ways in which 
uh, small things can make a big difference in patients' lives. And I'll give you one other example in a way we use our data. There's lots and lots of talk about care pathways and appropriate utilization of lab testing. And you really can hardwire all of these things into the EMRs today and, and tell doctors, here's the care pathway and the right lab orders. But you you got to be careful with that because you can barrage the clinician <laughs> with clicks and EMR alerts that actually make their workflow and their lives much more difficult. So we can look at data on the back end, and we do this regularly today, and look at ordering patterns and find where particular physicians or particular types of tests might be overutilized or utilized inappropriately. And maybe it's not utilized inappropriately across the board. Maybe it's within a few providers who don't know or their EMR might have the wrong test loaded in it. I mean, we find all of these unique reasons. But rather than going and programming something for everybody, we can be much more targeted with an educational intervention. Hey, don't you don't need to order nine different tests in the panel. Two might be sufficient. Get the results back from those, uh, and it would save resources, save cost, be, be faster turnaround time, and ultimately better for patient care. So those are some of the ways, you know, surfacing lab data back to physicians so they can see trends over time or looking at ordering patterns to see where something is overutilized or even perhaps underutilized so that patients get the best care that, uh, that they can get. You referred to it as a, a small or, or simple thing, but obviously an impact in a patient's lives of the, the cancer diagnosis or a, a potential issue that arises earlier than otherwise would have been found obviously has just massive impacts for that individual family and potentially society as a whole for generations to come. And so incredible to hear those stories of impact. And then you talked about just the opportunities of AI, and there's potentially no bigger buzzword than AI right now. And you talked about having a team, being able to point new and emerging technologies at this data set with your partners, all of the things that you do. I love hearing about the story of just all of the impact across hospitals, health systems, uh, pharma, life sciences. You talked about that convergence already. Would love to hear what brought you to LabCorp. Did you're on the health systems and partnership side, and now you're into AI, and now you're working on different use cases. How did you sort of end up in that role, both at LabCorp and and where you are now? Sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, my story to give you the flyby. I I, I got first interested in healthcare. I was in college, and I spent two summers working at a healthcare venture capital firm in Nashville, Tennessee, and. I don't know if any of your listeners are in Nashville, but there's there's a lot of healthcare in Nashville and uh, a lot of experience in especially healthcare services. And I got to spend a couple of summers uh, looking at uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial businesses, portfolio companies of this venture firm, and I was just blown away. I was I was hooked very early on how dynamic, interesting, and complicated the healthcare industry it really is. I ended up going into um, an investment banking analyst program where I did healthcare services, merger and acquisition advisory work, mostly sell-side M&A work. And one of my early experiences on that was representing a company that was a medical records company, like paper medical records. This is hard. This was only 20-ish years ago. It's hard to imagine that today. But they they had a business where they would go in and manage all of the medical records for 
a health system, and they could make very good profit themselves and save the health system a ton of money, right? It was one of my first examples in in my career of of seeing sort of a win-win-win situation, right? A good savings for the hospital or health system, a good business model for the partner. And by the way, they were able to retrieve records and find records and get records and get them to the clinicians better, faster, cheaper than, uh, than the prior system. So I got to see things like that as I spent several years in investment banking. And again, just got deeper into understanding hospitals, long-term care, lab, imaging. Uh, I got to touch a lot of different things over my time there. I ended up going to business school at Duke, which brought me to the Carolinas. And then I found this company down the road in Burlington called LabCorp. And there were a few really smart people that uh, got to meet there and talked about the company and what it delivered. And I'm kind of a healthcare cost guy at my core. You know, I like to spend my career and my purpose trying to think about what we can do to really bend the cost curve in healthcare. And, you know, it sort of occurred to me as I went through business school training that lab and generic drugs were some of the kind of cheapest things uh, and and highly, highly valuable to patients and clinicians. And I was just fascinated by this company called LabCorp that had this amazing infrastructure, this much lower cost than the other ways of getting lab testing in the U.S., plus this innovation engine because of where genomic and molecular testing and all of the research was just exploding around that. So I came to LabCorp 14 and change years ago, and it's been a uh, it's been a great ride ever since. I love how you so clearly articulate again that win win win. I'm just you can see the passion of here's something that I see makes a difference in the business world, but makes a difference for an individual life, and here's how I'm going to pursue that. And so so cool to hear that navigation of of the system. Uh, we've had quite a bit of optimism. Uh, we usually approach this the other way, but we have talked about real examples of impacting patient lives, the real possibilities of emerging and new technologies on data and technology. There's been a lot of optimism, I think, sprinkled in. I imagine there's also the the reverse of that. There's also a lot of challenges in your daily role uh, and in the world that you see. So whether it's regulation competition, culture of the overall healthcare system? What's something that needs to change in your world for the benefit of patients? Yeah, I uh, I am an optimist. I'll stick with the optimistic tone of this. I'm, uh, um, I won't give you Brian's policy prescription. If you play golf, I think you have to be an optimist a little bit. I, you know, Alex, as I step back and I think about the health system and the healthcare system in, in the U.S. anyway, it's so expensive. It's also very complicated. And so our biggest challenge everywhere in healthcare, in my view, is inertia. There's a lot of pressure on the status quo right now. I think that's a good thing uh, because it forces people to be creative. It brings out innovation. It brings out how do we, how do we find where one plus one equals three? Um, and I think that's a good thing on the healthcare industry. It's tough as well. Uh, but also good for the long term because uh, I, I have a lot of faith that we can and will evolve the system. My two areas where we could do more, you know, and I don't know if this is through policy or regulation or just leadership across different organizations, 
But one of the things I'm very encouraged by is I work with lots of health systems and they have more and more physician and clinician leaders. And I think one of the things, if we want healthcare to get better, is we need to see more of those people in leadership roles, in executive roles. And we also need to do a better job training those. They get great clinical training uh, in the, in all of their medical education. But we also need to give them a dose of business and policy and regulatory and all of that to help to help those when they do get into those executive and leadership roles to help them sort of understand the broader system. I think that trend is happening now. And anything more we can do to encourage physician and nurse and therapist leaders uh, will only be good for the system. My second example that I'm, I'm bullish on being a, a force for good longer term, although it could be painful for some in the short term, is price transparency. And I think with where regulations are now, essentially, healthcare prices are out there. They're buried in these unbelievably complex files. I, I can't you know, open them on my computer or look at what healthcare prices are. But smart people, technology companies, I think will figure out how to surface these prices in ways that help people make better decisions. And I think it'll help balance out the value equation in healthcare and say, why, why should thing A cost three times as much if I go to provider A versus provider B? And so those are my two things, you know, physician and clinicians being in leadership roles. I think it's a great trend. And price transparency, I think continuing to nurture that, I think both of those things are good for healthcare, uh, good for LabCorp, and good for patients long term. We are tremendously fortunate to have you as a guest on the SAS Health Pulse podcast. And as a society and a healthcare system, we're tremendously fortunate to have your thoughtful approach and optimism uh, shine through in making a difference every day in patient lives. So, Brian, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Alex. This has been fun. And to all those that are listening or watching, we're so appreciative of your time. Thank you. Please join us in the conversation. Send us an email, thehealthpulsepodcast at sas.com. We're rooting for you always. Always.